Nothing. All right. Nothing. Well, Brandon, let's hear from you. You are the first speaker in Kerner's Corner, and this will be one of one or one of many, and it all depends on you, Brandon. Sweet. No pressure. Uh, well, I appreciate it. So um, I am six months into having bought a struggling street sweeping business okay. with my buddy, and we're in um, we're in like Ventura, California. So I just kind of was made aware of the issues of wildfires and how many communities don't do street sweeping. So um, nobody really advertises that. And I was wondering how I can, I guess my plan is to create awareness around the issue already there and then supply the the means to fix it. So if you mm-hmm. had any advice with that or, or what you yeah. do. So- in other words, you want to invent the disease and sell the cure because people don't know that this is a yeah. disease, right? Yeah, exactly. So, all right. You bought the company six months ago. You said struggling. It's struggling now or it was struggling when you bought it? It was It was basically just an asset sale with um, maybe five or six customers. So uh, it was struggling when we bought it. We just thought, you know, we could always sell the assets for what we bought mm-hmm. it for. And why not, why not try and turn it around? Okay. Um, five or six customers. Who was your customer? Is that a municipality? It was um, some HOAs and then the city or the county contract that they had for the next like two years. Um, so we've added, we've probably doubled revenue, but um, we're still like in that growing phase. But um yeah, the plan is just to make more communities aware of this and then supply our street sweeping. Okay. Can you talk about like what your lifetime value is? Like wh- what is like an average ticket price? Are you paid by month or how does that work? Yeah, so we do hourly work. So it's one You're, you're breaking up. I believe you're, you're breaking up there. Can you hear me? I, I can now. You broke up for a sec. Oh, sorry. Um, so, yeah, we do hourly 185 for just people who call in for the day. We just try and base it off that pricing. And then we have um, we have county contracts, HOAs at a certain price per month with, like, multiple sweeps. Okay. Is it like a weekly thing or a monthly thing? Uh, everywhere is different. Most. Hello. Meryl, is that you? Yep, that's me. Awesome. Welcome. Yeah, great. So, um, can you guys hear me? Am I good to go? I can hear you perfectly. Okay, great, Chris. Um, yeah, first off, I want to I want to thank you for for doing this. This is awesome. I know you got like a hundred businesses that you run, so I do appreciate it. Um, so I've been following your stuff for a while now um, on Twitter and just reading your newsletter and everything like that. So the situation that I'm in currently is I don't have a business of my own. I currently do a sales job and I, I'm i a contractor, so I don't get paid a salary or anything, anything like that. But I do get paid um, a pretty healthy commission. I want to start a business, but I'm sort of like in this like paralysis by analysis thing where... I just don't know where to, I don't know where to start. I don't know if I should buy, you know, buy a business and just like 
you know, take an SBA loan out and just like start something that's already there, or if I should, if I should start something off the ground and just see how it goes. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that place right now. So I have some hard and soft skills, but it's just like figuring out the next move to make and like where to focus because there's just so much opportunity out there and it's a mm-hmm. hard to figure out like kind of where to point my energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good news and bad news. Bad news is analysis by paralysis is like, you know, the biggest, the biggest deterrent to starting a business. So that sucks. Good news is what I've noticed is people that have that before they start a business usually end up being above average business owners because you're in the details, you're in the analytics, you're obsessing over the, the, the metrics. And so I think your future is bright. Now, what type of money do you have to put into either buying or starting something right now? Like what, what amount of money do you feel comfortable using to buy or start? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say really. Um, I guess it would just depend on, on the opportunity itself. But I mean, I would, I would be comfortable investing somewhere from like 10 to 50,000. Okay. And what, what ideas do you already have? Like, what do you find yourself thinking about? Well, you know, the thing is right now, like for the last four years, I've been working remotely. Right. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, I like working remotely, but what I also like is like getting out there and, and, and connecting with people. So I think there's something there with customer service, with connecting with people and like selling in person. So it's just trying to figure out, um, what that is now business wise. I mean, I've tossed around the idea of like buying a service business, like a potential cleaning business or, um, you know, a tree trimming business or something like that. But I have no experience in that space. So it's like hard to, hard to say if that's the right direction to go in. Yeah. And where do you live right now? I'm I'm actually a, a Texan myself. You're in Dallas, I know, but I'm in Houston. Okay. And what type of sales do you do? And how many hours um, per week are you working realistically? I mean, I would say like it's I I probably work like t- 15 to 20 hours a week and I do like advertising sales. So I do a lot of my selling through email and like Zoom calls. And okay. so um, I, I primarily work with a lot of companies that are like in the financial space. So, um, yeah. And you feel comfortable selling even in person? Yeah. In person, in person and, uh, you know, virtually as well, like on the phone or emails or zoom calls, stuff like that. And how would you say you rank compared to your peers, your, your colleagues selling the same things? Um, well, I would say, I would say I'm up there. I mean, I have a natural ability to like communicate effectively, I feel like. So, um, I, I think I'm in the, upper tier compared to my peers. Okay. And is there any like sector that you're already leaning towards like home services? Or I guess you said tree trimming or, or house cleaning. Is there anything else outside of home services that where you think you could really leverage your sales skills? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I tried getting a, a cleaning business off the ground, like probably about six months ago, but like I, what I found in Houston is the market's like super saturated. And so it's like this race to the bottom with pricing. 
And so like, that was a big struggle where I would quote people a certain price and then they would just be like, okay, I can just get this random person to do it for like way less. And so like, I tried getting something up off the ground myself, but it just didn't, didn't pan out. Yeah. So, all right. I'm just trying to ask a bunch of questions so I could like put my thoughts together. I feel like you already have the two hardest boxes checked and that's you have time 10 to 15 hours a week or 15 to 20, whatever you said. Um, thank you for being honest on that. Most people don't actually work a full 40, 40 hour work week. Uh, two, you have cash 10 to 50 grand. Like that's plenty to start a business. Three, you have one of the hardest skills out there to gain and that's sales. Like you've, you've already done that. So I tell my kids and I tell everyone, if you can sell, you can do anything and you should do anything. You should start something. You should not work for someone because that's one of the hardest skills to learn. And people that are great at sales, they, they don't appreciate that because it's, it's in their immediate orbit. Um, if I were you, I would ignore house cleaning because I've done that myself. I had a house cleaning business. It was called Halo Maids 2016. I hated my life. It was the worst. Um, I tweeted about this a couple months ago, but I don't like the house cleaning business because it's not a binary outcome model. Like it's, yeah. you show up late, you leave a hair. Like, I don't know if you saw that or not, but there are just so yeah, many ways. Yeah, I did ways see that you, one, yeah. Yeah, there's so many ways you can mess up for like a $40 net profit. Like mm-hmm. what? And it's super saturated. Like there's four, five, 10 people I could name off the top of my head that are selling courses on house cleaning services. Yeah. So it's like so saturated. So I don't like it for all of those reasons. I don't like that it's low ticket. I would think of it this way. You have this super rare skill and that's sales. You're not afraid to do it in person. You live in like one of the most thriving economies in the country, Houston, Texas. So I would stay exactly where you are uh, geographically. I would stay exactly where you are with regards to your skills. And I would find that more of a high ticket home service, like fencing, foundation repair, something, something where you could find a subcontractor um, to sub it out to and just start pounding the pavement, like throw up a card website, just do something by the end of today that, that has you pop committed. Maybe it's a $10 domain name, um, just something to move the ball forward. And honestly, if I were you, I would go buy a card website, like a, a paid card account, which is like 30 mm-hmm. or $50 a year, make, yeah. spend an hour or two making a website, and then you can copy and paste websites. So I would copy that website five times, and I would pick five high-ticket home services, maybe even roofing, and just literally make that same website across five different home services, and then just jump in Facebook groups and Nextdoor groups like tonight. And just start asking around, like, what, what are your pain points? What types of services are you unable to find? Um, and like, that will lead you. And you don't even have to pick one of the five until for a month, two months, three months, right? Like, start going down all the paths at once and just see mm-hmm. where they lead you. I don't like, I don't like the idea of buying a business um, for the shoes that you're in today. Because it's much more symmetric of an outcome. But I if, see. You can, if you can learn with your own money and your own skills and just kind of get your feet wet, risking almost nothing, then one, two, three years from now, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable and confident to buy a business should you want to. Or you might just say, why would I spend all this money for a business when I know how to do all this stuff by now? Yeah, that makes sense. 
And then, and then the idea then is just, you know, you build it out, um, kind of get validation through, uh, through the Facebook groups and everything like that. And then, I mean, you're basically finding the job and then you basically contract that out to uh, a vendor that you find that you trust that you've seen their work. And then you basically, uh, I guess, split it up that way. Yeah. Find the job first and then find a subcontractor. Okay. Perfect. Cool. All right, Chris. Thanks, Thanks man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no for problem. sure. All right. Uh, we have Brandon back, so I'll <clears throat> add him back in. But if everyone, if you want to speak, if you would just comment on the um, on here, I can read through the comments and we can get the next people in after that. So thanks, Mural. I'll add Brandon in and see if his connection's a bit better. Brandon, there you are. Can you hear me? Yeah. How's it going? Um, sorry about that. I must have must have lost connection or something. Um, so but I was I saying, yeah, so we have a street. So yeah. Uh, I just finished. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I, I was saying we have a street sweeping business in California. Um, basically, I, I'm taking it over. Uh, I just finished a baseball career and wanted to test this out. So, um, yeah, we have HOAs, uh, commercial contractors, anyone building, and then a bunch of just commercial jobs, parking lot sweeping, et cetera. Um, so it's either per sweep or per hour. And what is the average monthly ticket price? Um, I would say anywhere from uh, probably 2000 to 3000, uh, depending on how big of a community it is or, uh, how long it takes. But, um, basically a, a full day, it's, it's about a 1500 to $2,000 day if it's eight hours. Okay. And you might do one or two days a month for that customer. Yeah, correct. Um, some, some want every week and some want, uh, twice monthly. It kind of depends for, um, the county work, how much they have in their budget. Um, but that's kind of where we're meeting inspectors who are recommending more. Uh, so kind of requesting more funds in order to do it. Okay. More. And going back six months, if you could see the future, would you have still bought this business? Ooh, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. So I have, I would say it's growing. Uh, we haven't yet gotten to the point where we're seeing that because we're still investing into the business. Um, but I think there's, I think it's a really good opportunity. Uh, pretty much every local business around us that's a sweeping business has been bought out mm. by venture capital. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's our, that's our like main competition, but most of their clients come to us because they aren't yeah. getting service. Properly. So if you have five to six customers, what's your, what's your TAM like? How many potential customers could you get without buying more trucks or really having to invest a bunch in the cap into capital expenditures? Um, let's see. I think each truck can do, if it's running full time, can do about 25,000 in revenue a month. Okay. Um, and we have, we have two trucks running one truck full time, one truck that is probably, 30 hours a week. And then we have 
two other trucks that we can fill. So four trucks total? Yes, And you're correct. in Ventura? Yeah, Ventura. So 100,000 people or so. Do you, do you go outside of Ventura at all? Yeah, we, we'll travel wherever. Um, we're pretty much all of Ventura County, Los Angeles, um, parts of Santa Barbara, all those okay. areas. So is it safe to say you've got four trucks and you could do about 25 grand top line per truck today if you're fully at capacity? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, possibly more if we did more night sweeps. Uh, those just aren't as profitable. Okay. What does the sales cycle look like? How long does it take to acquire an average customer? And have you acquired any since purchasing, or are you just keeping what you what you purchased? Uh, yeah, so we had those five or six were probably the customers that we bought the business with. Um, we get, I would say five or six projects a month um, just from a contractor who has an inspector coming in and needs to sweep. Um, and then we've probably added five or six recurring uh, sweeps to our schedule. Um, but yeah, it's there. We just turned on ads probably two months ago and we have uh, almost doubled in revenue each month. What type of ads? Uh, mostly just Google, Google ads. Um, it just like we get calls, we get, um, links to our website for forms, uh, to contact, uh, most of those. And then, but there, I mean, there's sometimes we'll get a contract for, you know, $30,000 a month call in. Um, and it's, it's just a matter of either lowest price that they're bidding out or, um, how long the project goes for. Okay. Are you, are you listed on Google, my business? Yes, we are. What is, do you mind saying the name of your business? Yeah, it's cleanerstreets.com. All right. I'm just looking you up on Google, my business right now. Um, do you, do you have any idea of how, uh, like how much you're penetrating your total Google ads budget for that area? Uh, no, like what I is the, how much could you totally be spending, um, in that geographical area on Google maps? I, I would learn that first and foremost. If you, if you're telling me that you doubled your business using, uh, Google ads, I said Google maps, I meant Google ads. Um, like that, that feels like the answer to me, right? Like increase your ad spend. Yeah. Are, are they converting? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what yes, is your daily they're converting budget? pretty good. Um, so we're doing probably, I think it's like 2,500 a month, uh, for ad spend. Okay. Um, but how many I would like, say signed customers the, has that brought you? Probably nine or 10. Um, some are one day projects and then some are recurring. And then okay. a lot are are people calling in asking if their streets getting swept so that they can move their cars. Okay. Okay. And what is your most profitable type of customer? Like if you could only lean into one type of customer, most recurring, most profitable, lowest headache, who would that be? Uh, probably construction. The issue is those are 
shorter projects. Government, like the city and county ones, are very good if they're prevailing wage. Um, those, you just have a lot more complaints and headaches. Um, and they're usually mm -hmm. bigger bids that only... You're breaking up. You're breaking up there, Brandon. The bids don't come up very often, you said? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so the government projects are every couple of years, every third year, uh, depending on the contract length. So those are, there's fewer and far between, but definitely like the commercial builds are the most profitable. Okay. All right, so let me just give you my breakdown. Um, there's, a, there's an endless trade-off between profitability and re recurring revenue and or the sales cycle length and how long you keep a customer. So it sounds to me like you love your construction comp uh, customers because they're more profitable. The sales cycle is probably uh, shorter, but it's not as recurring, right? But it sounds like you you still like those customers the most, the construction customers? Yeah. Yeah, correct. Okay. So, all right. If I were you, I would start with your Google My Business profile. You have one five-star review, which is great. I would try to get like 20 to 50. And that might seem insurmountable having, you know, being in B2B. But even if you were to get end consumers to leave you five-star reviews, that would be amazing because... Google doesn't know. People don't know. They don't care that it's not a municipality leaving you a five-star review. Um, that will help you get more organic business. Uh, I would remove the LLC from your business name and Google My Business. I assume that's something that was that way when you bought the business. There's no need to put it in there. Um, and then I would really dig deep on your Google Ads. Like, If you have pr a profitable Google Ads campaign, your problem is already solved. You just need to optimize it and scale up your ad spend. Like it's actually shocking how many businesses don't, for lack of a better word, qualify to really scale on Google ads. So if you have that, that's the golden goose. So lean into that. Keep doing that. That's my first suggestion. Second suggestion is you're at an advantage because you're in a defined geographical area, which means if, if you're selling a high ticket recurring service as you are, then your potential customers are all right there. There's only so many contractors or so many home builders or developers in Ventura County. Um, so I would start with something like Apollo and scrape everyone. Um, you can use Outscraper as well to, if, they're, if they're listed on Google Maps, which most of them will be. And just build your master database of customers and say, all right, there are 300 people here that could be using my service, and I only have three of them. And it, it's probably going to look something like that. And then just attack them every which way. Um, if, if it's a higher ticket item and there's only so many customers out there, as opposed to something like landscaping, then you can really get personalized in your outreach. Um, I mean, you could find these builders on Venmo and send them five bucks to get their attention. You could send them a custom loom video, spend five minutes, send them a loom video and talk about how sweeping their streets will, you know, add value to their lives or to their projects. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to test like five different things. 
because that's going to truly tell you what which channel you want to lean into. I would start with Google Ads. A lot of times the answer is right in front of us and we don't even recognize it. Maybe go to Upwork, find someone that's an expert and pay them one or 200 bucks for an audit. I much prefer doing Google Ads audits than hiring an agency because a lot of times, you know, 80-20, the 80% of the value they're going to add is going to be in that audit. And then at that point, you can just take it over from there. So you don't have to pay them three grand a month. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that all makes a ton of sense. And uh, I I agree. It, I think we're at the point where we're, um, yeah, trying to grow with very little management in place. And so we're trying to put like those systems in, in place so we can, um, provide like good service. Mm-hmm. I love it. But, um, yeah, the Google ads is, is yeah, about two months in. So we're going to continue hammering on that. Awesome. Well, I hope this helps and thank you for calling in Brandon. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks Brandon. I, uh, put out some requests for people to speak. Um, I don't know if they've ever accepted or not. Oh, Joe has great. Joe, why don't you uh, why don't you go next? Uh, hey, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Um, well, long time reader, first time caller. Um, <laughs> really enjoy the stuff you're doing. Um, when I was in uh, college, um, I, we were on the same call with uh, I think Brian Sullentrop. Uh huh. And, uh, and we were Gavin and I, I ended up starting a vending machine business while in college, um, over in, uh, over in Provo at the Y. Um, and so that was really cool. And then we, uh, graduated, we traveled abroad for a little bit. So I ended up, uh, giving the, uh, kind of giving the reins over to, uh, to my cousin who was in accounting, really wanted to do some stuff. So, um, anyway, so we're not, we're not there anymore. We just moved to Austin. Um, and I'm wanting to do more like uh, like of an online business, something I can kind of do more remote because um, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of experience with like web development, things like that. And I, um, I want to do more remote stuff. So um, so that leads to the, the business proposal for the thing that I'm doing right now, which is um, setting up websites for, um, for small businesses. So um, to start off, I've kind of niched down to real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a list of a bunch of agents from realtor.com who don't have websites so I can cold email them, um, with, uh, with an offer to make a website for them for, I'm, I'm starting off with like two grand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if this is, if it's just totally unfounded, I don't have a ton of data that I'm going off of. And so I keep kind of getting this, like, um, I don't know, like he- heavy doubts with it. Um, or I don't know if it'll if, if if I can validate kind of what I'm doing as I'm going through, or if I'm wasting my time in certain areas. So I'd love kind of like an audit of just where I could be improving just the general business process and what I shouldn't be worrying about. Okay, um, so your general idea is to make custom websites for real estate agents that don't have a website, right? Yeah. Okay, and. Is this still in the ideation phase or do you have a customer yet? Uh, yeah, still in the ideation phase. Um, I just sent out my first like cold email um, yesterday with a quick little, um, you know, hey, we can make a, I can make a website for you. And I attached a, uh, a screenshot of what it would look like with like their face, their name and, um, and the area that they 
cover with the real estate mm-hmm. to kind of see if that would work. So, so just very early stages. Have you thought of trying a different approach and going after real estate agents that already have a website that might be unoptimized or just for lack of a better word, crappy and, and like pitching to them why their website needs to be improved or should be improved and what they could get from a more optimized website. Cause I don't like the idea of finding realtors that don't have websites because a there's a good chance they don't have a website because they are an inactive agent and like you scrape their data and it's six months or six years old or somewhere in between. And so they don't want a website. They don't even want to do anything with real estate. Um, I also don't like it because it could be the opposite end of the spectrum. And you've got this small town agent that just crushes it. And I don't need a website. I do just, (laughs) they're right. You know, like, like they could do much better if they had a website, but it's not your job to convince them of that because you probably won't. Right. Right. And so I'm thinking if you, if you use built with to, let's say, let's say you use built with to scrape all of the websites that have a certain WordPress plugin, right? Like maybe, you know, IDX is, um, the, the coding platform. Yeah, IDX is, is like the API for, for real estate, right? Where it's like you link your MLS to your website. So you go to stacyrealtor.com and you can, you know, you can view houses, not just her listings, but like it's it's just like an API that pulls from the local MLS like Zillow does. Oh, that's awesome. Nationwide. Yeah. So I, I imagine, I assume that WordPress has a plugin for IDX. Uh, so therefore... They have to. There's a million WordPress plugins. If you find that <laughs> plugin that supports IDX and then use built with to export the 100,000 plus websites that use that plugin, then you can infer that those WordPress websites are realtor websites because they're using the IDX plugin. So now you know that all of these people have WordPress websites that are real estate websites that are probably, they probably look really bad and or they probably don't convert well, oh, and or they're probably outdated. And so then you could use those people and go find like, what was their website called? Like Grasshopper or Carrot or something. Like there's a half a dozen SaaS platforms out there that will basically make uh, real estate websites that look really, really good. Um, and you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can still charge $2,000. I know people that use card templates and charge $2,000 and it takes them 30 minutes to set up a site, right? Like you, you don't have to make this custom. You could just piggyback off of some overfunded Silicon Valley uh, real estate website (laughs) startup. I love that. And just, yeah, exactly. And just say, Hey, and you don't even need to have a customer first. You could just point to other real estate websites that are using that same platform and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, Stacy, I see you're on WordPress good for you for having a website because it's surprising how many realtors don't. So you're going to kind of compliment them. But like, did you know that a website that has X, Y, and Z features results in 36% more leads to real estate agents? And it doesn't cost any more than WordPress. Um, So it's like, they want to know immediately how can a better website actually lead to more money in their pocket, right? Because right. you don't want to, you don't want to sell them. Oh, your website's ugly. I'll make it look better. This will lead to more money in your pocket, um, and 
you pointing to other websites that are using that same platform, the implication is that these are case studies, these are your old customers, but no, you're just showing them examples, right? I love and that, yeah. You can pull stats off of the platform's website, like the 36% or whatever it is, because I'm sure they have those stats and just piggyback on those stats. Um, you can build your own website with that platform, even though you're not a realtor. Uh, and then you can go after people that are already sold on having a website. They know it's important. It, a website is one of those things where it's been outdated forever. You know it's outdated and you know you need to fix it. You know you should fix it, but you're not going to until you get a cold email. You know, like right. something has to be the impetus for you to do that. And so you could be that cold email. You can still charge what you want. It doesn't have to be custom. You can, you can copy and paste all these websites, literally, <laughs> like you do on, call, on card, and then swap out the city and the name. Sweet. Okay, I love this. This is a fantastic – I feel like this is the kind of that last key in place to really make this work. I love this. Good. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this would work. And honestly, you can, you can text them as well. Um, th- there's the good and bad about selling to realtors. I've done it. My wife is one. Uh, the good is that you can get their info super easily. The bad is that because of that, everyone is pitching to them nonstop. Um, but there is more good than bad because of all the people you're going to cold call, they are the most likely to answer their phone. Um, cause it could be a listing. Right. So that's what I, I would do. It. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. I feel like I've got some good direction here. Thanks. Absolutely. Good luck. <clears throat> all right. Thanks Joe. Um, Chris, we have Matthew Stewart next. He's a mobile home park owner. He's looking for some advice there. Matthew, right. you're up. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me on. And he, thanks for uh, allowing me to join here. I, uh, we purchased about six parks over the last two years um, in North Alabama and Tennessee, uh, three MH and three RV. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a couple of specific operational questions and, and marketing questions around the RV um, parks in particular. Um, one being, you know, we struggle a lot in the winter months. Um, being in North Alabama, it's it's not as ideal as uh, South Alabama for for winter RVing, and um, we see our income kind of fluctuate pretty drastically. You know, in the in the summer we're getting twenty five thousand dollars or more a month, and then in the winter it's down to fifteen thousand, which really eats into a lot of our fixed costs. And, um, uh, obviously causes a lot of, a lot of stress and I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to kind of even out our revenue and market to, um, people that, that would be interested in, in, in winter RVing. Um, our target market is, is typically contractors that are coming to the area. You know, obviously Huntsville is growing like crazy and, and, um, we're over in Muscle Shoals, but we do get a lot of that bleed over. And, um, and then also retired folks. Um, we have a lot of retired folks that end up spending three to five years, um, sometimes at our RV parks. So I was just kind of wanted to pick your brain on, on what you've seen success in the past at your parks, or, uh, if you have any ideas for how we might be able to target those people. Okay. So is your revenue fluctuating? So you said you had MH and RV parks. Is it fluctuating from the RVs then? Cause it's month to month. Uh, correct. Yeah. Our MH is, is doing great. Okay. And are these parks marketed as like a, an amenity rich short-term park or more as like a long-term low amenity they're, park? They're more of a uh, longer term. You know, we, we've got laundry, bathhouse, dog park, you know, kind of the basics, um, but we don't have any like pools or pickleball courts or anything like that. 
And do you have how big are the parks on a pad site basis? Each of them? Uh, they're both about fifty pads. Um, we just added a couple tiny homes, and those we've seen a lot of success with those. Just running out fully furnished, utilities included, month to month. So I'm considering that might that might be a good strategy. You know, obviously it's capital intensive, but uh, um, I have a hunch that those will be a lot easier to fill in the winter. Um, it's a little bit easier to live in a tiny home than it is an RV in, in the winter. It's true. So Muscle Shoals and where's the other one? They're both uh, right there in Muscle Shoals. And then we have another one out in Hot Springs, Arkansas. But I'm, I'm kind of more focused on the Muscle Shoals ones right now because those are where we've been struggling. Okay. You know, we- so they're each about 50 pads, both in Muscle Shoals. Uh, mm-hmm. th- are they both all RV or a mix of RV and MH? Uh, they're all RV. Okay. Um, so your revenue is dropping uh, almost in half uh, just because people are going back further south for the winter? Yeah. You know, a lot of the contracts end around December. And so we see a huge drop off in December and it doesn't really pick up until March or April. So, um, you know, there's like three months or sometimes four months that um, – you know, they're, they're pretty stressful. Have you thought about marketing um, your vacancies on a yearly basis to account for that? Um, I know up North, it's pretty common. Like instead of $600 a month, they'll charge eight grand for a year, knowing that for four months at a time, those pads are going to sit empty. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like that idea. I thought about kind of offering some deals like, you know, sign up for a six month kind of lease and you get the seventh month free or something like that. Um, all the promotional stuff we've done, referrals and stuff doesn't seem to have moved the needle at all. Mm. But, uh, you know, I could explore that yearly option for sure. Have you ever talked to the customers that have left for the winter and like specifically ask them like why are you leaving did you know you were leaving when you got here is there something we could have done better uh, or you just you're just kind of assuming it's getting cold so they're they're leaving um so it, it, it I, yes i've talked to a few of them um a lot of them that i've talked to they're just their their job is ending and they're moving on to somewhere else and a lot of them have said you know we'll probably come back in the next couple of years um because c- their their work will send them back but um uh, I think that we could definitely do a better job of kind of having an exit survey, whether it's a phone call or an email that we send to them, allow them to give us some feedback as to why they might be leaving. I don't think they're going to other parks in the area. I think they're really just headed out of town. Um, yeah. And I've had a couple people ask, you know, could I basically store my camper here for the winter so I don't have to move it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what they'd be looking to pay for that. You know, at first I was against it because I thought I could fill those sites, um, you know, but, you know, we're dropping from like 85% occupancy to like 50 mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. So, um, you know, we definitely could have some sort of storage component and, and, you know, obviously there's no utility costs involved with that in the winter months. Do you have space to do that if, if they were not on the pad sites? like um, Not really. I mean, we've, there's a little bit at one of our parks, um, but we we've tried to maximize the amount of pads that we can we can put on these parks um all of our open space is um either on gas lines or um tends to flood a little bit so okay um what would you say the percentage mix is between people that leave that are like retirees more full-time of a a tenant versus blue-collar workers that are there for a job 
Um, you know, we've, we've managed to keep most of most or all of our retired folks They're, They kind of like enjoy the community. We do community events and stuff and they kind of have like a little, little click. Um, they, they tend to stay together. Um, it's, it's pretty much mostly the, the contract workers. Um, and I know there's still work going on in the area. We're just not getting any of that. Yeah. All right. So the the surefire true way to really fix an occupancy issue is to buy a unit. And it might be a tiny home. It might be an RV. Uh, we used to do this. We bought a park in a city with literally like 800 people in it. And not like outside of a big city. It was It was out there. Right? It was all by itself. Um, Kiowa, Oklahoma, to be exact. And the only way to fix occupancy at that park, and I've never seen this not work, was to buy an eight to $15,000 trailer, 25 to 35 feet, usually five to 10 years old. Um, so not a motorhome, just a, just a pull behind, either gooseneck or, or otherwise, um, and then do a, a lease to own and really target it toward people that are going to live there for six months to six years at a time. It takes some capital, obviously. There's not really a way around that. You mm-hmm. don't really make money on the financing. Um, I'm sure you can. We never tried to. Uh, we would just basically say, you know, your lot rent is 250 and your payment is 250 so it's 500 a month. And then, uh, obviously, if, if you have to eat the electric, then it would be closer to 600 Otherwise, you would just it would be direct build. Um, I've never seen that not work. Like if you were to go to Facebook marketplace and post an ad, like I would first go to Facebook marketplace and see what trailers in your area are costing. You could probably find one for 10 grand uh, and then kind of back of the envelope, what, you know, what that would look like. And then just take some pictures from Google images, post an ad on Facebook marketplace and muscle shoals and see how many inquiries you get. And Mm -hmm. those are your future tenants. Is that, is that a tenable idea? A hundred percent. I've been exploring that pretty, pretty uh, heavily. It's good to hear it from you. Who's got a lot of experience here. I've got a, a number of investors and, you know, they're, um, I, I need to kind of convince them that this is the right, the right move. And so it's definitely good to hear from somebody with experience that this is, this is the way to go. Um, and I found a number of campers and park model, um, trailers and, um, also just tiny homes that I think I could probably keep our, our purchase costs from around 15 to $20,000 and have oh, wow. my units. And, um, you know, the rents, what we're getting on those, like we're renting a tiny home for 1100 a month right now. Um, so it's like a one bed, one bath, 400 square foot tiny home. Uh, wow. so I, I, like I'm convinced that that's the way to go. It's definitely good to hear you say that. And then, the, um, another quick question on, on the MH stuff. You know, obviously owning, we, we mostly own most of our homes and I, I want to transition them to, to tenant owned. Um, and I'm considering like giving away a lot of the homes and selling them for, for dirt cheap, just to kind of turn, like turn the park into a tenant owned home park. You know, mm-hmm. our, our basis in the parks is such that it would allow us to be operating a tenant owned home park at an eight cap, even if we mm-hmm. just gave away all the homes. Mm-hmm. And, and right now they're, they're running at about a 10 cap or 11 cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I just hate having to deal with HVAC and flooring issues and just sure. running, operating, you know, all the, I think we have 77 mobile homes now and it's just a pain and it's expensive to hire people. And, um, so 
I wanted to know, have you ever done that before? Have you seen, have you seen success and kind of what are the biggest risks you've seen with that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was our playbook was we would convert all the park owned homes to tenant owned homes and we would usually just do it uh, for free. Um, and a lot of times, in fact, most of the time their payment wouldn't even change. So if it were 700 a month, then it's like, Hey, um, FYI, uh, your lot rent is 350. Your payment is now 350. Um, we're going to deed you over the home. If you want to move, um, then you have 90 days, whatever you need. Um, and we were very clear, like, this means that the home is now yours, but it's now your responsibility as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say 20% of the people would just say, eh, okay, I'm out, you know, too hard. But 80% would say, okay, you know, they don't skip a beat. They're not pissed. They, they get it. Um, and you have to do it right. Like there are some States where you have to be like a mortgage broker to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Texas and Oklahoma was, was very forgiving. I don't, I don't know what Alabama's laws are, but yeah, I, I would definitely suggest doing that. Would you um, suggest even trying to get like three to five grand out of these homes or just as a clean? It depends just... on the condition. Um, yeah, I, I would, unless they're just completely trashed. But yeah, I think they're three not, to five. They're in good shape. I mean, they would sell on Facebook Marketplace for 20 to 25, I'm sure. Oh, then absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't give those away if I were you. Okay. And the, um, so the reason I want to get some money is to kind of build in sort of like a, a maintenance fund for our tenants to say, look, you know, obviously taking over the home means that, you know, if the HVAC goes out, it's your issue. Like mm -hmm. we're willing to help you in the first That's year. That's a good idea. Just That's to a kind really of, good idea. Well, yeah. I never thought of that. That's a great idea. I like that a lot. Yeah, and just kind of keeping that away for a year, and then after a year we can cash it out or pay down debt with it, whatever. But um, okay, yeah, or well, maybe you could even like you could give them an option to pay an extra fifty a month for that like fund, and it's it's kind of like insurance. It's like if you're mm -hmm. paying into that and your AC goes out tomorrow, you know we will proportionally use funds to help fix that, right? Yeah. But if you're not paying into that, then you're on your own. Um, okay, that's a great idea. Yeah, I hadn't thought of yeah. that. I like that. Okay. Well, cool. this has been super helpful. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, I really appreciate you having me on and giving me this advice. Absolutely, Matthew. Thank you. All righty. Cool. Thanks, Matthew. <clears throat> All right, Chris, we got David next. He wants to start a business that he can get his kids involved with. David, you're up. Hey, Chris. Uh, appreciate appreciate all your insight. So, um. I'm actually looking for a business for myself and my kids. So uh, I heard you mention kids. Mm -hmm. I heard you mention that your wife's a realtor. So we have that kind of in common. So just to give you a, a little bit of an idea, I think the first speaker um, had a little similarity with my, myself as well. So I'm in sales. I'm in mortgage sales. Um, and we have a portfolio of long-term and short-term rental properties that we currently own. Um, it's fun. However, the, I think property values have, have really like shot up and we've just got like some investment capital that I'd like to start looking into, to explore like different new business ventures. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, like I said, we're in a smaller town, uh, Norfolk, Virginia It's not as big as Houston or any of the other places that I've kind of heard so far. Um, and uh, just just trying to get your your insight on like different businesses that we can 
uh, get into that would like require minimal direct involvement um, and allow for like operational management through like hired help. So when you talk about the the short-term rental business, is that what you do professionally or you own that real estate personally? So I own the real estate personally. Okay. And then you, you have a, a job in, in the mortgage industry? Yes. Okay. And you, because of the fact that home values have gone up so much, you're not really looking to scale that business right now. You'd rather try something else as well. Well, so I'm very disciplined with what I buy and and that, I mean, I guess that could be a good and a bad thing. Right. So I think I've, everything that I've bought so far has been really good values and I've uh, doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and sometimes even like 10, 15 times, like my initial capital investment. However, I, everything that I'm offering on right now, I'm getting outbid on. So mm-hmm. everyone's fighting for that same type of property that I'm looking for now. So I'm just looking to get into other like other businesses. Like you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm heavily involved in a lot of like um, digital marketing groups. So like you know, I believe in like the one minute videos, the Google My Business, and all that other stuff. So mm-hmm. just trying to get some business ideas that could uh, maybe take advantage of some of the skills that I currently already have and the knowledge that I currently already have and just, um, you know, get virtual assistants to run local service ads or Google ads to scale and build or buy into a franchise. I'm really not sure, man. I'm just uh, (laughs) grasping for straws at this point. So what, if you have this idea to start a business with your, with your family, I assume that you already have a couple ideas that are top of mind. You're, you're kind of throwing around home services. What ideas have you guys talked or thought about already? So you really caught my attention on one tweet that, I mean, I still can't get out of my head. And, and that's where the whole 13-year-old son comes into play too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the bounce house business. So mm-hmm. I've basically gone back and, and read a bunch of your tweets and I was like, Oh, I didn't even know this guy has a newsletter. So <laughs> I, I think I, I don't, I don't know what kind of businesses we can get into. I mean, I've considered buying land and putting warehouse space there. Cause you know, we're, we're part of a soccer Academy and, you know, I've had people reach out to me saying they want to build like batting cages and all this other stuff. I have contractors constantly reaching out to me every single day saying, Hey, they need storage, so they want to buy a house with a bunch of land so they can build all this storage space. So I'm just trying to figure out how I can like, you know, solve a need, mm-hmm. um, but solve a need in a smaller town because I don't have any intention of leaving this town mm-hmm. for the next 15 years. Um, so I just need to uh, put my money to work and, and, and yep. scale into profitable businesses that don't require a lot of involvement from me. Yep. Okay. So I'm, I'm getting some ideas. So you're in Nor- Norfolk. I've got the map pulled up here. What, I don't know if you want to like blast out like where you live exactly, but I kind of want to get an idea of how rural or urban that you are. Uh, Norfolk. Norfolk is, I mean, uh, I live in a town that has a very similar uh, population as Norfolk. Okay. Okay. Um, how, is land prohibitively expensive there? I don't think so. I mean, I've got a, I've got a lot of resources to get land to. I mean, there's auction land. Um, I mean, I think zoning and, uh, you know, the use of the land and clearing of the land may be my only challenges, but depending on what your business idea is, I'm sure I can find land. Okay. So I, 
I'm biased, obviously, but that just, you know, everyone's biased. So I'm going to give you ideas that I've had because these are the ideas that I'm working with every day. Uh, and I see mm-hmm. the promise there. There's all kinds of things that I work with that I don't tweet about because it doesn't look promising. I would never start it. Right. But the 2,100 square foot metal building in my, it's not technically my backyard. The property behind me is amazing. Like I, I had no idea how much demand there is for, um, for metal, like ugly, simple kit metal buildings that you can order on the internet and have someone come install that are between 1500 and 5,000 square feet. There, like, there is no shortage of ways that you can use these things. So if I were you, I would go find, call it one to five acres. You don't need a lot of space um, of raw land. Make sure it's zoned right. Um, make sure that you can put a metal building on it before you buy it, obviously. And I would literally buy one of those metal buildings. Um like like I tweeted about for that sports complex idea. Um, you want to get it extra well insulated. You want to put HVAC in there. You want to put plumbing in there, get a bathroom in there. And then you have a foundation that you can do any number of things. So put it near the edge of your property to where if you were to add more metal buildings, um, there'd be plenty of space to. Uh, at that point, <clears throat> you can do this. So you can subdivide it and rent out part of it to pay the note on all of it. Um, you could rent out the entire thing. Uh, you can go buy five bounce houses and store them there. Before you even talked about anything, I was going to suggest that if you're going to start a business with your kids, that you should start some sort of a rental business. Um, I mean, there's a lot of water in Norfolk. Like I know a guy that does kayak rentals that just crushes it. Uh, he just absolutely crushes it. You could store those there. You could store bounce houses there. You could just rent it out. Um, you could start a home services business there. You could you could have classic car parking there. Uh, but if you have HVAC and a bathroom and the zoning and a cheap metal building, uh, I say cheap. It's cheap relative to you know building any other type of building. Uh, there's a zillion things you can do with it, and that buys you a good year before you really have to decide. Okay. What do you think of that? I mean, I, th- I think it's a great idea. Um, so I think it was your tweet. You had an indoor soccer, you had a indoor mm-hmm. soccer field, right? Okay. So how much are those buildings typically and what <sighs> it costs to put up? So I bought the land, um, as it was, uh, I, I bought the building and the land. It was already there, but I believe it was like, I mean, this was 2016, 2017 when they put it up, I think it was like 60 grand back then. Um, it's probably two or three times that by now. Um, but it's, I mean, it's extremely affordable. I, I don't know what prices are lately, but. Okay. Okay. No, this is, this is good. I mean, this is definitely right up my alley. I think if I have enough land, I can maybe do some outdoor contractor parking as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Of the kid-friendly businesses, I mean, do you think that the bounce house in, in a small town like this would possibly work or laser tag or those little Orby guns or what are what are you thinking would be a, a good business for like a 13-year-old, like highly motivated kid to, to start? 
I think a good business, like a good rental business for kids is one um, with a broad enough name and a, a broad enough offering that you could really hone in on any one of them. So uh, you might cringe at this, but there's a lot of money in like um, petting, like petting zoo, like mobile petting zoo businesses. Um, I don't know if you want to raise animals. No, but, no, not at all. <laughs> but I mean, you could do you could do the bounce house idea. You at the same time as the laser tag idea, as a kayak rental, like, like just a rental mm, all in one, all in one, with the the sole idea that we're not going to do all in one forever. We're going to see where the demand is, right? But how much does it cost to buy all this stuff? It's it's all fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I mean, I did start a a mobile um, like festival business and, and that worked out really well, but now I've got a trailer full of restaurant supplies that I can't sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's just the downside of it. I, I think that if you're, if you're starting the type of business that we're talking about, they're cheaper assets than restaurant supplies. Um, I mean, you okay. can even rent out wedding wreaths. That's a good size business. Um, or just wedding chairs. Like there's, if I were more prepared, I'd list off a, a dozen things that you could rent out. But there's all kinds so of how things do you out manage, that people only need for a weekend. So how do you manage to be in so many businesses without having to put yourself into all of this? Do you have a bunch of partnerships? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I would like to get out of what I'm doing. I, I, I don't like it. I mean, I like it. I, I really do like it. But it, it ties me to Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. My, my goal is to be able to you know, be able to travel everywhere, um, be able to work remotely and, and just manage businesses, uh, without having to, you know, be ready for that, you know, that Christmas Eve phone call that they're asking about, Hey, I want to, I want to buy this house and I need a, I need a mortgage that closes in 14 days. Yeah. So for something like that, I mean, I'm not sure that this type of business will eventually get me out of this without tying me to this area. Well, first of all, any, any business is sellable, right? Like you could sell it if you needed to, uh, you could shut it down if you needed to. It, it doesn't sound like you're, you're trying to start a billion dollar idea. Um, I wouldn't get hung up on that. Like I would just try to start something that whets your appetite, helps you taste entrepreneurship a little more than you already have, get your kids involved. Um, and then whatever skills you acquire along the way, even if you end up just moving to your dream location and shutting it down, you'll be able to pick it back up um, when you get to your new place. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. And uh, yeah, thanks for absolutely. thanks for all the knowledge that you put out there. Yeah. Thanks, David. Um, You're welcome. All right. Thanks, do, David. Yeah, let's do one Go more. ahead, Chris. Yeah, we got one more here. Last one up is Tommy. Tommy, uh, go for it. And if anyone didn't get a chance to go, um, we'll do this again next week and we'll put you at the top of the list next week. So, Yeah. Hey, Chris, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. A long time follower. I'm, I'm mostly a Twitter lurker in the uh, real estate and, you know, small business uh, space of, of Twitter, but uh, come, come from a family that's owned an auto garage for since 1964 um, in Alexandria, Virginia, um, you know, grew up working on cars with my dad and my uncles and my grandpa and, uh, I went off to play college sports, got a corporate job. And so I've been in federal sales for 
five and a almost five years now, four and a half years. Um, did a small stint coaching college ball after after college, but um, two years ago, just by completely accidentally, started a moving business. <laughs> um, so I was just driving down the highway one day, driving out to my mom's about two hours away, and I just every thirty seconds I saw a U-Haul truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went out and I bought a five by eight trailer that I figured I'd use it for hauling my motorcycle around, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know to use well you know playing flag football the next weekend guy says ah, i gotta go pick up a u-haul you know i'm, I'm getting my floors redone and so i said yeah, i'll just use my trailer instead so he puts his couch and his coffee table on there while he's getting his house remodeled right mm-hmm. uh you know he gave me 60 bucks for that and then he told a buddy about it next week trailers rented out for 100 bucks and so on and so forth right so we we took that and and this is just nights and weekends uh got on next door and, and on facebook marketplace just messaging you know the properties for rent properties for sale you know somebody posts on next door that they need help donating furniture and all that stuff so um had a buddy who was a strength trainer uh got laid off during covid because all the gyms closed and was at night school so he and i just started picking up furniture for people on nights and weekends now we own again two hours later we've done about 275k in revenue we've got two trucks um i'm still working full-time in in my software sales job and kind of running the business per se while he's running the field. So he drives the truck to every job, manages the crews, does all the materials, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So essentially what I'm looking for, and, and David, by the way, have a lot of interest in the, the Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Hampton area. We just did a trip down there. So David, if you're still on, shoot me a DM. Let's connect. I was, I was um, also thinking that David could do a trailer rental business. Put him in his metal building. Yeah. Not that you want to compare. It was but. super... <laughs> literally the day before I rented out to my buddy, I, I went and got some spray paint and some stencils from Lowe's and, you know, did uh, Tommy's trailers LLC and my personal phone number on it, you know? It. And so, yeah, just, uh, I think just again, every, every other kid I went to high school with half of them is a, you know, a realtor or, you know, working in the mortgage space. And obviously where I live is, is very high growth area right outside of Washington, DC. So um, I think my family's name kind of carries a lot of weight, given that our auto garage specializes in German imports. So we have a lot of high ticket clientele. But I think what my question is, is, you know, it, we're not making enough to I am I am the uh, the, the bottleneck here. Right. Uh, I'm doing all the sales. I'm doing all the estimating. Um, you know, my partner is great at the physical work and managing the field work, but not the uh you know, answer the phone call and, and customer service and, and giving out estimates in front of customers type of guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So either, you know, we've got offers to buy our, our name from some of the other local, uh, in town moving companies to, uh, to kind of, you know, sell the name and then kind of come on board as a contract salesman. Um, but I really see this as an opportunity to be an add on business for our family's auto garage and then kind of spin up other home service businesses out of it, almost forming like a holding company to where we have, we've got the auto garage, we've got the moving and storage business, you know, maybe throw in landscaping or home painting or, you know, things like that as I kind of continue to grow this, you know, year over year. So uh, that's just kind of where I'm coming from. Really curious your thoughts on, on kind of growing a a service business and kind of removing myself as, as the bottleneck or, or the face of the business so that it really has an opportunity to flourish. If you were to only keep doing what you're doing, how much room is there left to grow in your area? A ton. I mean, DC is just an absolute monster of growth right now. I'm sitting outside of a senior living facility that's getting built on top of an old McDonald's right now. Um, my buddy's the 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 broker realtor that's helping lease all these units right now. So we get we get calls like this every single day to where we're trying to, 
you know, we're getting a lot of office move uh, type type deals coming in now too. So again, I'm the bottleneck because I'm I'm not ready to quit my full time job just to you know replace that salary and and go on on this is not we're not there yet. You know, I, I have full faith that if I did quit my day job, I could I could replace my salary in a couple months. But you know, it's a it's a chicken or the egg situation, right? Married, three kids, you don't want to lose that stability right off the bat. Oh, how many trucks do you have? Uh, we own two trucks. I'm trying to sell the first smaller truck so we can go ahead and buy a second bigger truck. Okay. Um, and we are local only. I don't do any interstate. Okay. Um, again, we were the you know Hampton Roads area down in Norfolk area, you know, the other day, but that was, uh, kind of a family friend helping job. And I don't prefer to go long distance if we don't have to. And do you do any paid ads, but what type of marketing are you doing today? So 90% of what we're doing is referral based. Um, you know, me and my business partner both went to high school here. Um, we just know everybody. Um, I spend a little bit on Google and I spend, uh, I spend money on Nextdoor. That's been great for us because that's where we got started. So we kind of have our niche of, being the local guys on next door, the go-to guys. And then other than that, we have, we, we've got our logo and everything up on one truck. And, and on off days, we drive that thing around town and park it in uh, high traffic areas, like near the Target or down on King Street where all the businesses are and, and where all the tourists are coming through and things like that. Do you have any data that shows that that's working, parking your truck in those areas? Yeah. Yeah. We just got a call, uh, this morning actually from a lady who saw our truck parked, uh, near my buddy's house, uh, in downtown Alexandria, um, asking if we can come give her a quote from March 18th. How, if you were to pair this with your, your family's auto business, how do you think you could leverage that? Like what, what is the upsell? What is the crossover there? Yeah. So, um, I I think it's just brand name, like, like, like name recognition, right. You know, our, business has been here for 60 years. We're a stalwart, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're, we are the go-to guys for your, your German, you know, import vehicles. Um, it's a very, very high end, high ticket, um, auto garage that has a, a really, really strong reputation in a, in a, a fairly wealthy area. Um, so a lot of these customers are, are re- You're breaking up, Tommy. I can't hear you. Yeah, Tommy dropped for me. I, I don't know. Tommy, are you there? Maybe they have a family member, you know, moving or something like that. But uh, I haven't used it as leverage. Okay. Does your does the auto business keep a good record of your, your past customers? Because they're a good CRM there? Um, Not for my moving business. No, it's completely separate. No, I know. I know. I know it's separate, but. Oh, yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah, everything they've they've got it all automated, a whole automated CRM system there. And I assume your family would be okay like leveraging that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've I've gone so far as to like I said, I've got my uncle, you know, has flyers out, you know, on the uh, on the front counter for us and and we bring our truck there to do all of our maintenance anyway, so again, it's a high traffic area where we kind of use it as a billboard, you know, okay. once a- Okay. So is it true that the busy season uh, is just coming up? It's like going to hear in a month or two. Yeah, absolutely. So December and January were awful. Um, February has been great. March is going to start looking really good. April through August is absolutely crazy. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I've got my prescription. I'm going to suggest something that I don't normally do because it gives me anxiety, but tell me, I think you need to quit your job, man. Like, yeah, you have everything right now. You've got it all lined up. You're about to get a bigger truck. 
you've got a whole CRM with probably tens of thousands, if not definitely thousands of customers of, at your family business that they would be willing um, to, to, to lend you. It's everyone that has a car has a need for moving. So although it's not like landscaping and trees, there is crossover there, right? And if, if you or someone in your family were to start hitting the phones uh, on the car side of the business to say, hey, you know, whatever your last name is, what's your last name? Uh, Kesterman. You know the Kesterman. You, you know the Kesterman family, how we do business. We do the same thing uh, on our moving side of our, our business. We've been open for a couple of years. We're looking to really scale and expand. Um, do you have any moving needs or do you know of anyone that does? Right. Like that is super low hanging fruit. Furthermore, you're, you're dabbling in Google ads. You could scale that. Also, I had a call just yesterday with a billboard salesman for Clear Channel. And I specifically asked him, this is just coincidental. I said, what, which of your clients can actually say, um, your billboards brought me more business? Cause billboards, you know, it's, it's kind of like brand awareness. It's, it's really hard to track it. And he said, moving companies. It's like when they put a billboard in the woodlands or in Sugarland or college station, they start getting calls from those areas and they're able to track it. Like you could throw up a couple billboards and blow up your business. Like I, I hate suggesting that people quit their jobs because people always come to me looking for me to convince them to do that, forgetting the fact that I've never had to do that. I've always been a business owner. And the thought of having a six-figure job, having three kids to support, and then quitting it stresses me out. So I don't want other people to do that. But in your case, like you're going to figure it out. You're going you're gonna to find more business than you ever thought was possible. And so we could talk about you know, landscaping and other home services, but this could be a $10 million business just moving locally. Um, I would just keep leaning into that. Wrap your trucks, get a third truck, take a little risk, leverage up your, your Google ad spend. I have your website pulled up, optimize your yeah. website, your it's GMB. A, it's a website. My sister threw that together first. No, last it's, no, it's have, fine. It's better than yeah. nothing. It's better than nothing. And, um, I would just, I would just go deeper on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a conversation we've had. I'm like, I got a couple of contracts I'm trying to sell. I think like August 30th is my, my hard cutoff date for the, uh, for the sales job, right? You don't want to leave that commission on the table before you go all in. So, okay. Yeah. That's kind of what we're looking at right now. Yeah. But you got this, man. I mean, it, you're going to be shocked. Like you're going to be mad that you didn't quit sooner. Once you see the progress that you make after you quit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've been on the fence about it for about a year. Now we're just, we're at the point where we're growing so fast that I'm, I'm the guy that's in the way because I'm, I'm trying to do two things at once. So it's either yep. hire a sales guy or make this, make this my all in thing, you know? Well, and that was my, that was going to be my first suggestion before I heard how promising this was. And that was just record all of your sales calls, like record everything you're doing. Like it, as harsh as it sounds, you're replaceable, right? right. Nick Saban's replaceable. You're replaceable. You can hire someone. You know, even if you, even if you absolutely refuse to quit your job, you could find someone to do as good of a job as you, uh, especially if you were able to keep your finger over them and, and keep good ta close tabs on them and not just let them run wild. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, that's all I had. I just wanted to, uh, just kind of get your thoughts on, on what avenue to take. So appreciate it. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Good luck. Well, um, thank you everyone. I had fun. Uh, I hope you learned something. And uh, I think we'll try this again next week. So we'd love to chat with you then.